You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. You know, we all have different stories, don't we? The story you live in is the story you live out. What story are you living in? Are you writing your own story, living your own way? Or are you living according to God's ways, His standards? And are you allowing Him, and you heard me say allow, are you allowing Him to write your story, co-write your story along with you? So we all have different experiences. We all have different personalities. I know that. And thus our unique experiences with how God met us and brought us into the family of God. When working with longtime church people, especially those who grew up in the church, I'll sometimes ask them, what did Jesus save you from? I bet we all have a story, don't we? If I were to ask you, if somebody turned to you, you ain't going to do this this morning, but turned to you and said, hey, what did Jesus save you from? Could you articulate that, what Jesus saved you from? I've asked that question to folks, and I get all kinds of answers, and these are just a few. Addictions, sexual immorality, lying, anger, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, a bad marriage, financial distress, sin. I mean, I could keep going on and on. The list is very exhaustive. What God saved them from, what Jesus saved them from, and all this list... All these things are praiseworthy, but rarely the one thing that I am looking for. And what is that, you may say? The good news is Jesus saves. But from what? Here it is, folks. He saves us from ourselves. Yes, He saves us from ourselves. self is the problem. You may not hear a message like this in churches today because you don't want to step on people's toes. You don't want to offend them. But everything we're going to hear and do in regards to this topic is centered and grounded in biblical truth. Okay? So let's keep going. When bold down to it, the simplest answer to that question, what does Jesus save us from? He saves us from ourselves. Self is the problem. Not food or drink, not sex, not emotions, not wealth, not status. As Peter Lord said, sin originates in you. No one can provoke inside of you what does not originate there. This makes all the more real the words that I quoted from Dennis Kinlaw a few weeks ago when he said, In truth, we are a million times worse than we know, and our attempts to control our lives destroy us and the ones we love. I want you to hear this, folks. The world's ways are never the ways of God, and the world's people are never the people of God. And I'm going to unpack that, so hold on. It can be difficult to hear, but there are two kinds of people in the world. And it isn't based on race or gender. It is our identities as children of God or children of the devil. That's it. Children of God or children of the devil. Just take a look at 1 John 3, verse 10. 
So this leads me to an important point this morning. As stated in previous messages when I was preaching on God vision, we did that for about eight weeks, the gospel calls people out and it calls people into. Into what? Think about it. Into what? Through our response of faith and repentance of faith-filled surrender to the Lordship of Christ, turning away from self-rule and towards Christ's rule, God makes us a new person, a new creature. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new spirit. And we are spiritually born, again, as literal children of God. Just look at these passages up here. Uh, Let's do it together. Let's read it. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their hearts of stone and give them hearts of flesh. In essence, he's going to circumcise your heart. He's going to remove that stone heart that you got, that callous heart, that wicked heart, that selfish heart, that me, myself, and I heart, the self. Again, that's the problem. Everything that's going on in the world right now, it boils down to Self, selfishness, not having our eyes fixed and focused on the author, creator, perfecter, pioneer of our faith, Jesus Christ. That's what it boils down to, folks. This new creature, this new spirit, this new heart on the inside, through the working of the Holy Spirit, is meant to work a transformation in our life from the inside out that affects every every area of our life. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. I think we got that up here too. We skipped John. Go back to John. I skipped it. You didn't. Can you go back to John? It's on the clapper, so we got a new setup. Good thing we don't have the lights up here. We'd be doing strobe, you know, techno rock. Um, Let's read this one together. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That's your identity. You're born of God. God designed you to be either a male or a female. That's God's design. Who am I, who are you, to mess with God's design for humanity? We have no right to do that. And I could preach for an hour and a half on that, but I'm not. That's not all we preach and teach here. We preach and teach God's unconditional love and His plan and His purpose. But we also preach and teach what he saves us from, and that's self. He saves us from ourselves. Let's keep going here. So now we're back to the 2 Corinthians, right? There it is. Let's read this one together and keep you awake today. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplated the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You have the Spirit within you. God's DNA runs through your veins. He designed you. He made you. He breathed into you the breath of life. His eyes beheld your unformed substance as you were being created from the dust. He knows you inside out, as that song reminds us. Inside out. This is our identity. Who and what we are now. Now our entire life, our thoughts, our attitudes, our words and actions is to be defined and directed by this new identity. Just look at Romans 8. Well, I won't read all of it, but here's some of it. Now, I know you've got it up there, but I'm going to read it from here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world 
and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. Amen. We now live in this grace. We have access through Jesus Christ, through faith, to which this grace we now stand. Now let's look at, I think we've got Ephesians 2 here. Boy, that's long. We're not reading all that. That's a lot. But it's powerful. I invite you to go back and look up this passage and read through it. And look at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, creating in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared in advance for you to do that. If you would stick to his plan and follow his will, you will do good works. You will do good things, not for your glory, but for the glory of God. And you'll not only boast in the glory of God, but you'll also boast in your sufferings. Because suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint or let you down, because God is pouring into your hearts every day his Holy Spirit, his love through the Holy Spirit. That is within you, removing that self out of the way and consuming you from the inside out. Here's some powerful passages just to hammer home this point. This is Colossians 3.3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When you receive Christ, you accept him, you die. That old you, that old nature dies. And there will be times it wants to rear its head back up again and usually that happens when you stop praying, when you stop attending church, when you stop associating with other believers, when you start doing things that gratify the flesh. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. And you'll keep doing that, knowing that I can have a peace that transcends all understanding. I can have a joy that has no boundaries and no barriers. But yet I still give in to this self and this flesh. But this is what happens when you truly surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you live for Him above everything else. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of Sally Obley's favorite passages of Scripture. And you all know this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And how about Galatians 6, 15? And this, you may not understand this one. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Folks, we have, we have been grafted in. We have been grafted in to the promises of God as Gentiles. Yes, Christians. And we have access to the keys to the kingdom. Not only those promises that are made in the Old Testament, which, by the way, we need the Old Testament. Amen to that. But now we have the promises of the New Testament too. And we don't have to sacrifice burnt offerings and grain offerings and an unblemished lamb because the lamb has been sacrificed for all. Jesus Christ is the perfect, spotless, blameless lamb. 
And he has forgiven us. And we can boldly approach the throne of God with anything and everything. We can be as vulnerable and transparent with him. And he will not judge us and criticize us. Instead, he will receive us with arms wide open. That's called grace. And how about 1 John 3, 2? Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Is that not a goal? To be more like Christ? To be like him? To see him as he is? You know, the beauty of standing up here and being your pastor is that when I look out to you guys, I see Christ. This is the body of Christ. This is the priesthood of all believers right here. These are the ministers right here. I love it. So I'm, I'm preaching out to the body of Christ. You know? How humbling is that? I know that was humbling for Doug last week to look out and see the body of Christ looking back at him. Oh, man. You get the chills? You feel that? Holy Spirit bumps? Yes. How about 2 Corinthians 5.16? So... From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We look at brothers and sisters around the world and remember what Jesus said. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Man, you know I preached a sermon on that, and I got a lot of flack from preaching that sermon. Jesus didn't mean that. What? Did Jesus ever say anything that he didn't mean? I'm not going to ever say that. I mean, you're flirting with some, some blasphemy there, folks. He meant it as hard as it is. And I'm thankful that we have a Sunday school teacher who will stand boldly up here and he will pray for enemies, for people we have a hard time loving. It's not easy to do. Who did Christ pray for? Christ prayed for from the cross. His enemies. What's the first thing that he did? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If you cannot forgive, you're not going to be as close to Christ as he would like for you to be. Don't you want to be close to him? Don't you want to be near to him? Don't you want to be more like him? Don't you want people to look at you and not just see you? but to see the Christ that lives within you, and you don't even have to say a word for them to know that he lives within you because he's working from the inside out. And that inside reality is becoming an outside reality. And others, they taste and see the goodness of God through you, and they want it too. And they want to hear about it. And they don't want to be judged or pushed off. Instead, they want you to tell them what you've been rescued from, what you've been saved from, that's important, folks, to tell your story. The story you live in is the story you live out. And so many people are hearing the wrong story, the voice of the world instead of the voice of truth. And when all you see on social media and in the culture and at school and wherever else you may be is the vo voice of the culture, the culture preaches and teaches, folks. It has its own gospel, you know, and it's, it's fairly easy to follow. And it's all about having fun and gratifying your sinful desires. You know, sounds like the Canaanites. Sounds like biblical times, doesn't it? Some things never change, huh? You see what I'm saying? Let's keep going here. 
I want us to look at a, 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 a tough verse for some people. It's um, 1 Corinthians. I think we're there now. Ooh, man, Stephen's using that three-letter word a lot today. Okay, let's read this one out loud. I won't be the only one doing it. You ready? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Okay, listen closely, everybody here. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. That's Scripture, folks. The Greek word for flee is fugo, not yugo. That's the car that was made in Europe. You remember that little car, yugo? Kind of like the Chevette. Anyway, my granddaddy drove a Chevette. He was six foot four. Can you imagine him in that little car? Kind of like a yugo. But we're talking about fugo, fugo. Literally, it means don't flirt with that. Okay, men, in the mall, at the game, you know what I'm talking about. She walks by. You're married. Your wife's sitting right there. You go. Don't flirt with. Don't look. Okay? Look once, don't look twice. Okay? Look at what God has given you and blessed you with and stay committed to what he's blessed you with and given you. He'll provide all that you need with what he's given you. Remember that. I'm not just saying that for men. I tell you what, young girls make it hard for young men today. You scroll through social media, boys today, they ain't got a chance, folks. They ain't got a chance. That's why it's so important that we pour into them passages like this and teach them that their bodies are the temple of God. All right. I got to go through this pretty quick because I see what the time it is, and you've already looked at it three times, so here we go. Okay. I was only, I was only given eight minutes today, so I got to do the best I can. Okay. It's not going to be eight minutes. We're not going to shortchange God, so, but I am on the last page. Somebody's back there saying, can I get a witness? Okay. And if that is you, you got some work to do. Here we go. So fleeing, fleeing, that's what it means. Don't flirt with all other sins outside the body, but sexual sin, you sin against yourself. The man or woman who sins sexually distorts life for all of their life. Young people and singles, I want you to hear this. Predecide right now how far you're going to go sexually. Predecide right now. Because let me tell you this, and I told the teenagers this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll re- remind you of this. Unless you're in the covenant of marriage, you don't need to be having sex. I got one amen. <laughs> but Stephen, come on, man. There's no but there. Okay? That's biblical. Pray about that. Decide how far you're going to go. It's tough, though, isn't it? Because in this instant access to the sexualized world, it's corrupted the sacredness of God's design for sexuality. It's difficult when you have such easy access to sexual images. It's, it's tough, folks. The TV shows that are on Netflix... What our young people are seeing, you know, Jeff said it in his prayer, stuff he hadn't even heard of in 1976. Man, I mean, that stuff was existing then, but that stuff, the sexualization of culture, wasn't put on a platform. 
and that anything and everything goes, and if it makes you feel good, that's okay. We want you to feel good. Okay? No. It's not about feeling good. It's about doing what's right. It's about living to the, the ways that God wants us to live. So stay with me a few more minutes. Doug, you can go ahead and come on up. What I'm saying to you is, is that this sexualization of the culture is not going to stop. It's only going to get worse. And young people and even adults, even some of you grown adults in here, you've become desensitized to it. And seeing flesh and everything else, it, yeah, I mean, you don't even think twice about it. And it corrupts you. And it con- confuses you. No wonder there are so many folks confused with their identity. Let me remind you, the story you live in is the story you live out. We have got to get the true story out to the world, folks, to our children and our grandchildren, our nephews and our nieces, our neighbors. We don't just keep that story to ourselves. What you identify with is what will define and direct your life. It's so true. The question for people today is this. What is our identity based on, rooted in, and anchored to? Who or what do you identify with? The godly character and behavior we live out is not birthed out of our efforts to be a good person, but because we have been made a new person and a good person. We do not behave to become. We behave because we are. We, what we are, is not the result of our own works of genius or strength or goodness. It is the result of a loving, merciful, gracious God's genius, strength, goodness, and sacrificial redemptive work. What gospel good news are we preaching? What are we inviting people into? Is it a moralistic, performance-based religion? Is it a political, social, institutional, cultural, ethnic, national, or some other man-made identity? Is it modification or transformation? Is it centered and established on the lordship of Jesus, the foundation on which he established the Great Commission and the authority of all Scripture? Who or what are we identifying with? Who or what are we calling others to identify with? God's people have spent millennia unpacking how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ to know that this love surpasses all knowledge, that we may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. Are we settling or calling others to something less folks we're just getting started as we help equip you to respond compassionately to the misguided and misinformed while remaining biblically faithful we're not going to let it slide anymore folks just appease everyone validate everyone Accept every lifestyle and all that's going wrong. We're going to, with a biblical perspective, 
respond compassionately to the misguided and the misinformed. And speaking of the goodness of God and the story that He's writing for us, I want us to pray. I want you to bow your heads with me. Some of you have heard this prayer before. Our men's Bible study has prayed this prayer several times. And I want you, if you feel you feel led to do this, and I believe we are being led to lift our hands out. It doesn't have to be way, way up. Just however you feel God is leading you to receive from Him. This is something you're receiving so that you can reciprocate and give back. Would you pray after me? Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sin. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your creativity and release my chaos. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your rest and release my striving. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart. Transform my mind. Transform my soul. Transform my strength. So that my consecration becomes your demonstration. That my life become your sanctuary. Fill me with your goodness, O oh God. Keep running after me. Pull me in. I surrender to you, Jesus. I am yours. I belong to you, Jesus. We, Misty Creek, belong to you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.